wanna be a starving artist. I don't wanna be a starving artist. I just want to find a way to live. Hello, I'm Anna Eastley, and welcome back to Starving Artist, the podcast about art and money and how we are going to make those things work together. This is a special episode because it is the first Ask an Artist episode where you can ask questions on Twitter with the hashtag Ask an Artist and I will find the smartest people I can think of to answer them. My sense of self is sort of like one of those um, changing rooms you sometimes find yourself in where every mirror is a wall and there's just this endless spidering out from you of you in every direction, like a sort of spirograph of self. That is Caitlin Stacey. Caitlin is an Australian actress. She's been in Neighbours, Please Like Me, The Josh Thomas Show. For Australians, she was Ellie in Tomorrow When the War Began. She's also been in Rain. She's now in a Fox show called APB. I really started becoming aware of her when she released her website, herself.com, back in 2015. And the website features interviews with non-celebrity women about heaps of aspects of their life. But particularly, it was a really candid look at like women's sexuality and how they related to their sexuality. This week, I got Caitlin to answer a question from Paula. Paula asks, how do women creatives deal with the pressure to become a thing that they create online? So to use themselves and their image of themselves as a promotional tool through selfies and through curating their content to make them look like the image of cool so that people will click on their work. And what do you do if you're a creative who doesn't fit the conventional mold of beauty? When I thought of smart women who I follow who mess with conventions of beauty online, I thought of Caitlin, who has like over 300,000 followers across a few different places. Social media is so young. It's in its adolescence. And I think I was just sort of ending mine when I started using it daily. It was at first a platform for me and my thoughts. Because as an actor, your life is somewhat passive. You're told where to go, what to say, and even how to do your hair. You have agency in as much as you can get a job. But even the job requirement is that you be a vessel for somebody else's thoughts and ideas. So social media presented an opportunity I'd never had before is be you, be seen by being you and you exclusively be your own product, the, you know, head of your own channel. And it's funny how my relationship to it has evolved so much in such a short time, just how cynical and calculated you can become once you work out the algorithm of other people's interest. While my social media self is still inextricably me, it is me through a lens of self-awareness I didn't have before I had these endless reflections of me. Now what you're seeing is me, sort of, plus time, plus shame. (laughs) I was granted some real estate in the social media sphere because of the work that I do, not because of my opinions or theories. I'm an actor who got really fed up with my own industry and the limitations it places on women, and I started to talk about it as often as I could. And this is the other thing I find interesting about Caitlin and how she approaches her work and her social media following. She both has this combination of a kind of beautiful woman on Instagram and then incredibly political, socially charged, action-based protests and work like that. 
I first really came to see this kind of stuff with herself.com when she released that, but also in an interview with Style Like You where she's she's talking very candidly and openly about the ways in which she's been typecast in the industry in a way that was just really intelligent and nuanced. And if you want to check it out, check out the show notes for this episode. Everything that's mentioned in this episode, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. And on the topic of being candid, it is relatively easy for me to be candid. I'm a, it's it's a, embarrassing to say, I guess, because it makes it sound like a dickhead. But I, you know, people do think I'm conventionally pretty, and I'm steadily employed in an industry that requires a lot of self-aggrandizement and self-promotion in whatever form it comes. So, what I do and how I do it is, while of course it has cost me opportunities and it has alienated me from certain groups and certain people. At the same time, it has propelled me into realms and groups and into conversations that I would never have been able to be a part of had I not spoken up. So in that way, my social media presence and the self I have designed there has been incredibly useful and incredibly authentic. And for that, I am grateful. But I am falling out of love with social media because of its pretty inherent beauty bias Instagram specifically, Twitter, it's less of an issue, but even so you do see this sort of like bolstering of beautiful people versus non-beautiful people. And I, I definitely feel conflicted about the way I let myself be consumed by other people because I am a form of entertainment when I become the executive of my own channel and I produce these images. And I love how young women are the executives of their own channels now, their own networks, basically. They're in charge of their images and of their voices. The only thing that saddens me is the, I'm sort of witnessing this trend, this sort of like homogenous trend, that voice and those images are, are sort of settling into. And I think I play a role in that homogeny. And for that, I feel really guilty. Social media as a vessel for myself as a product is, yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, which is not something that is relatively new information. I kind of, like I said, I have a love-hate relationship to it, and I hate when I find myself being calculated about the things I'm willing to share versus the things I'm not. Like I said, I'm lucky in that being candid, at least in my world, is a little bit more acceptable. I'm not a teacher, I'm not a nurse, I'm not going to get fired for putting my tits on the internet. It's very easy for me to sort of get up of a morning and claim that Everyone should be able to put their tits on the internet and there's no real world consequence for me. My work is in the area of appearance diversity, appearance activism and disability activism. That's Carly Findlay. Carly is an appearance activist. She looks different and she writes about, blogs about, talks about very publicly what it is like to look different. I guess I don't look like everyone else. I'm not. Uh, you know, like those girls on Instagram. But I use Instagram and I do pretty well. I have made my face, which has been something that I wanted to change for years uh, because I, I'm red and I don't look like everyone else. I, I've made this thing, my face, my brand, I guess. So I have to put myself on the internet for people to get a context around what I write about. And that's something that I find really interesting that if you make your difference part of your work, then you have to kind of constantly be visible as having that difference. Now, because this is a podcast 
for some context, Callie has a rare genetic skin condition called ichthyosis. And it means that her skin is quite red and can be scaly and itchy and sore. And her face is the reddest part of her body. I'm reading this all from her blog. These are her words. And one of the things she writes about is that she gets stared at and commented on in public daily. I've sort of had to bypass that, um, you know, fear of missing out or comparison thief syndrome because for me, if I want to talk about what it's like looking different, I feel I have to put my face to, to social media. That doesn't mean I don't always, I guess, want to look good or, or my version of good. My husband takes about 17 photos of me and then I choose the ones that go up. And I really do like to be in control of my image because people with visible differences and especially my skin condition, ichthyosis, for people like us, it means that our image and our stories are often misused. Literally an hour before I started editing this, the Daily Mail had used some photos they'd taken from Carly's Facebook without her permission in an article where they quote her talking about how her images get misused online. I want to put my best face out there and I want to use it to, I I guess, my advantage. I have had a little bit of an issue with using my image on social media. My photo was misused on Reddit in 2013. It was used in the What the Fuck forum and there were lots of comments analysing, picking apart, ridiculing my appearance and I took on those trolls. I don't recommend that for everybody. I responded to them and then I wrote about it on my blog and um, the story went viral. And occasionally, even now, I get a couple of comments on my social media post, sometimes telling me how awful I look. Uh, the other week I got told, along with a friend, that we should get plastic surgery and take a better photo. I outed that commenter on my social media and I think that they learned a lesson uh, in, in knowing that the impact of their words uh, on the internet is forever. And also I get a little bit of the... Uh, pyramid scheme sellers trying to sell me things when they haven't heard of my illness before but they think that their product their essential oil or their cream could help me and um, I actually find that a little more annoying than the people that tell me how ugly I look I guess I've got the confidence now after so many years blogging and, and having that supportive network to put myself online and I think that if I did my writing and speaking uh, without putting my face to it, I would be a bit of a hypocrite because I really am about embracing yourself and making the most of how you look and um, seeing beauty in, in everything, even beauty in difference. I don't really have anything fancy to say about this, except that sometimes I show my face on Instagram and sometimes I don't. But more often than not, I don't. That's gawky. Gorky is an artist, cartoonist, and she, like, never shows her face. I think I can count on my hands how many times I've put a selfie up. I think I tried it initially. This was just trial and error. I tried it because somebody told me your face helps connect people with your work. And I tried it and, yeah, it just didn't really do anything for me. I think I probably lost some followers, which is fine. That happens in general. If I post something that's inconsistent with my work, like if I posted a picture of a pie, I think I'd lose followers too because they just wouldn't recognise who the work was and why they were following it. For some context, Gorky, I think most people know her from her Instagram posts. 
and they're all kind of simple drawings and they're all about ideas, mostly about her own insecurities, which I connect deeply with, and they're mostly black and white. So what she's talking about there is like if people mostly know her for her cartoons, when she puts up a photo of her face, people get confused and think, who the hell is this? Sometimes in my work I deliberately put in a human element like a hand or a foot just so that people remember that it's a real human making the art or I might put my head in the shot but hold a print over it. I suppose one of the reasons is I am a bit shy in a way. I don't mind talking but I don't like being looked at. (laughs) I really quite hate photographs and uh, I think photography of humans is quite weird. Because it's so ubiquitous, I think um, we've forgotten this. And I felt strange that I had such an aversion to photography until I read Susan Sontag on photography fairly recently. And I was like, yep, it's a thing. Uh, It's okay to have fears around photography. (laughs) Yeah, So people don't associate my work, my face, and I'm really glad for that. I haven't had anyone come up to me in the street and say, oh, are you gawky? And I'm really glad because... I don't know. I like to be well-known by the people I love, but super anonymous out in public because who wants a recognisable face, really? It sounds like hell to me. I'd have to brush my hair every day. If you're like me and you kind of have pretended to have read Susan Sontag's On Photography but have never actually read Susan Sontag's On Photography, one of the main things she talks about is this idea that the proliferation of photographic images Um, basically changes our relationship to the world around us and puts us in this very voyeuristic position that's anti-interventionist, where we're kind of observing our whole life instead of being in it. Personal comfort is a big reason why, why I don't want my face out there. It's like the same feeling when you're wearing really tight jeans and you can't wait to get home and take them off. I imagine if you're out in public and everyone knew what you looked like, there would always be an element of that feeling. You just couldn't quite relax. And that's the worst feeling in the world. Not being able to relax is fucked. One thing that Gorky makes me think of here is that social media is not separate from our lives. It's part of our lives. And particularly if it's something that you're trying to kind of use as a tool for your career, it affects your life. What Gorky's talking about here, I really relate to. I have an Instagram and a Facebook and and I put up photos of myself and people like recognize me pretty regularly in public and it's nice. Uh, it generally means that I get to have some really interesting conversations, but it also makes me hyper aware in public, particularly if I'm doing something um, <laughs> unsavory, but I like to just like calm myself with the knowledge that I have an identical twin sister. So if worse came to worse, I could always potentially maybe blame it on her. To round out this episode, I just wanted to finish by giving some quick thoughts about this question. I've been thinking about it a lot lately in terms of this idea of performative authenticity. So that, you know, we're curating all the time. And I think We talk a lot about the fact that social media is curated, but I think that there's less conversation about the fact that social media curates our lives. So, for instance, if I, I hate this, if I go buy someone some flowers and then I'm like, how much am I buying these flowers because I want to buy these flowers? 
And how much am I buying these flowers? Because I want to take a photo that shows that I bought these flowers. And that, to me, is gross. I hate that in my life. It's this new level of self-consciousness and self-awareness that I do not like. And so on that point, what I want to say is that when we're curating our feeds, we're also curating our lives. And particularly when we're talking about creative careers, we're curating our jobs. So I'm always thinking about when I'm trying to answer these questions of how should I go about this and what feels uncomfortable to me and what do I feel comfortable doing with these minute decisions that we make every day. I'm building myself a job, hopefully. What kind of job do I want? Because you are building a thing on online with social media where people will expect certain things from you and they will come and follow you for those certain things. And for me, I know that that's meant that I make decisions about how I display my work online and how I display myself online and how I talk about things. That means that my work will be less successful. Like it will reach less people. It will take a lot longer to get to certain places. And that's the decision that I've consciously made because I could make different decisions to get my work further, but I don't want the job (laughs) that comes out of that. And so part of that means learning all the skills of like how to play the game and then deciding which ones you actually want to use. That's not specifically about beauty. That's more more general. Uh, one thing specifically about beauty, like I, I know that I can take photos of my face that people like, um, <laughs> but I feel gross about that sometimes, particularly when I will put up a picture of my face with like very little content and that gets like two or 300 likes and then I'll put up a picture of a very, very meaningful idea or quote and that will get like 30 likes. And it's not because people are bad or anything like that. It's just that that's the way the medium works. And you just got to decide how you want to exist inside that game. And to the best of your knowledge, try and try and look after yourself in the process. I want to give you two resources to look at before I go. The first is a book by Ryan Holiday called Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator. I read that book uh, ooh, maybe like five years ago, and it really changed my attitude to how I looked at new media, and it made me really critical and probably cynical. That book, the first half is basically like, here's how new media can be manipulated And then the second half is, here's why we should not do that and we should be very concerned. Second one is a book by Austin Kleon called Show Your Work. And it's a really great introduction to looking at how you could share your work online in a way that still feels authentic. I'm going to conclude this by sharing another little clip from Caitlin Stacey from up the top about how the internet is forever. (laughs) And I kind of hate that there's a permanent receipt that exists that accumulatively comes to represent me. Me from four years ago is a very different person, but it all comes back to join itself. 
I said a lot of things that were really offensive. I made jokes that were really offensive before I realized they were offensive. And I talked about things with like a real authority that I didn't have. And I was sort of dumb in the way that I was candid. And being candid isn't dumb. Being vocal isn't dumb. But social media can be this echo of all your past selves just screaming at each other. That's right. I'm going to leave you on that terrifying note. If you would like to ask a question, you can tweet at me on the internet with the hashtag AskAnArtist. And if you would like to find Caitlin Stacey, Carly Finlay, or Gorky, and you definitely, definitely do want to do that, you can find all the links to their websites and social medias in the show notes for this episode. This episode was edited by Peter C. Hayward and myself. It was a new thing, and I think it worked. The intro music is by me again. This podcast was made possible by everyone who supports me on Patreon. If you like this thing and you want to make sure that it keeps happening, you can support me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Easley. If you have thoughts on this question, please come find us on the internet and tell us what you think. I really, I want to I know because I sure as shit don't have all the answers. Love and I genuinely just realized that all of my best friends I met through the internet. Thank you, internet. I owe you one. Till next time. Bye.